everybody. Welcome to the Teal Podcast. You're here with me, uh, Karen Pollard, and my co-host, Joey Deganji. And we get to kick it off with the amazing Emma Amascato, who is royalty in the allergy world here in the UK. So Emma is actually a national features journalist. Um, she's a writer, she's a blogger, and there's more exciting stuff coming with mental health this year as well. Emma's no stranger to food allergies because her own children were diagnosed with multiple allergies when they were younger. And when she couldn't find the information support she needed, she wrote a best-selling book. So, <laughs> and that was actually this here, Living with Allergies, um, Practical Tips for the Family, which has also been followed up with You, Me and Food Allergies, which is geared uh, towards children with uh, information empowering them uh, with how to manage their allergies as well. So the other thing to know about Emma is that she's been featured in numerous media outlets, raising awareness all over the place. Um, you've seen her on BBC News, This Morning, LBC Radio, The Scientist, The Times and The Sun, etc, etc. She's a speaker, she's a panellist, an industry consultant and a judge. So you've probably seen Emma in the Free From Food Awards and the Allergy UK Hero Awards. Welcome to the Teal Podcast, Emma. Thank you. That was a bit of an awesome introduction there. I like the word of you. I'll take that one. <laughs> just to start off with, obviously, um, you're just a beacon in the allergy community. Um, as we just discussed in your introduction, you've done so much. I mean, your cup is just overflowing. One of the, the great things is the, the books that you've written. It's been, it's been an absolute guide and a support for so many families. And I love the fact that it's the same color as teal. So one of the things that we absolutely love about your books, Emma, um, I've actually just finished reading Living With Allergies. And even though we're quite familiar um, with educating ourselves around allergies, I think it's just such a wonderful guide. Um, and I think one of the things that I love about it is that you can actually just dip in and out of it. It really is a whistle-stop tour about everything that you can possibly think of uh, to navigate. How did that journey start? What motivated you? So it just started literally because I couldn't find the book I wanted. You know, it, you know how overwhelming it is when you're first diagnosed with allergies and you're scouring the internet you're reading every facebook forum um you know you're on all the different charities websites trying to find all the information and it's really difficult to know what to trust what's real what's just opinion yeah. um and then you know because of the journalist in me i always want to delve deeper but then you go deeper and it's all very scientific and, and so you've got these kind of two extremes yeah um, i just wanted something that met in the middle that, yeah. that laid all the scientific information but in an easy to understand yeah. way um but also had practical tips for people that were still quite you know evidence-based and, yeah. and i wanted people just to be able to pick it up and know everything in here i can trust and yeah. it's true and it's real um, and that's why it's so important to me to have you know the interviews with all the experts which i loved because i love mm. interviewing people yeah. um and just to get that insight and also to get it back to Biology UK just so that you knew yeah. it was something, you know, that had been proper, properly clinically looked over. Now, when you were creating all of this, can you tell, can you tell us a little bit about kind of like what that process was like, like their involvement? Was it 
were you interviewing them like a little bit more about how that went I think it's really interesting so I I'd come up with the idea for the book um and then I eventually got a book deal for it um, mm. and I knew I'd seen that they had backed other books um the mm. what are they called now the great cookbooks the allergy free family cookbook yeah. I'd seen that allergy UK had backed that so I was like I want some of that how how do we do that how does that happen gotcha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I want so I approached them and said, you know, what happens? What do we do? Um, and basically, you have to pay them a fee um, for them to clinically review it, for them to read the whole thing, give any feedback. They don't automatically say that they will endorse it. They say, you know, we'll look through it and, you know, we'll give you any feedback that needs changing. And if you change it and we think it's good enough, then, you know, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll back it for you. So I went to my publisher yeah. and said, you need to pay for this um so they did and then um yeah I mean they were a brilliant support from from yeah. the beginning Nina Warner who is the um the clinical director there was you know really excited about the idea from the start so they were always a great backer um and then that helped me then go out to all the experts as well to say you know Algae UK are going to clinically review everything so you know I had that kind of trust factor there that I could get mm -hmm. go out a lot of big names in the allergy world and say you know will you chat to me will you be in my book yeah. um so yeah it all came together and then it went off to Amina and you know it's very scary handing over your book like done all this work you think it's mm. all right you think it's all fine and then you hand it over to you know yeah. someone else and go yeah. um but yeah they actually made hardly any changes at all um a few, a few minor things but yeah it was a really it was a really good process yeah oh, excellent Fantastic. that's awesome and they say that everybody has one book in them. Obviously, you had two. And I'm sure it's not the last. I'm sure there's more that's bubbling away already and you're planning one. bubbling away, yeah. I'm not sure when they'll come out, but they're bubbling away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, actually, when I was reading through it, one of the, the chapters was all about um, children and allergies. And I think it was chapter 12, where you're, you're preparing children with, with allergies and child settings and also educating and empowering them and mm. I think that's probably that was a chapter that probably sparked uh, you me and mm. allergies um, so tell us about that book because that's really exciting it's it's something fresh and new yeah so again it was kind of bubbling away it was in my head before the first one came out mm. um, thinking you know what i I, I really think there needs to be a children's one because there's lots of lovely books out there, um, children's books on allergies, um, but there's not really any non-fiction ones. They're all kind of character-led, which is lovely. And I think it's specifically good for kind of younger children. But I think as they get a bit older, I wanted something again that kind of laid out the facts, like properly, mm -hmm. they could really understand it, but in a, obviously in, on a child's yes. level. Yes. Um, but I wanted to go in a little bit more depth than some of the other children's books yeah. that I'd seen. Um, yeah. yeah, and so it came from the same place, really. Couldn't find the children's book I wanted, so, <laughs> so I wrote it. <laughs> something else. Amazing. Uh, One of the things that I love doing, because we've actually been using as a fantastic tool in our house, and Aoife is, you know, is going to be four, which has just turned four, actually. So for us, it was great, because I think even at her age group, it's a fantastic tool and it visually just communicates what you want to help prepare them for. Yeah. Um, and so I, I love the fact that there are the questions that you raise in there and 
make it quite interactive so it becomes a conversational point so the illustrations are just beautiful so yeah. it's basically the lady that or it all started off the lady that did my blog header um oh. when i was looking for somebody to do the front cover of the, the book one of my friends actually um ali who's miss allergic reactor she yeah. said why don't you talk to the the lady who did your blog header because that's really you and i thought oh that's mm. actually great so I went to her and she illustrates books. So she did my front cover of the first one. Yeah. And then when I was thinking of the kids one, I was like, oh, I so want her to do it because I just love, yeah. I love her designs. Yeah. Um, so I literally just sent her, and I'm not even exaggerating, like stick figures. I cannot draw to save my life. <laughs> <laughs> A little explanation of what all my pictures were. Um, and then all the text I wanted around it and she, yeah. she brought it all to life. So yeah, she was wow. amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, as you say, I wanted it to be quite interactive. You know, it's a kid's book. You want to keep their attention. But I also mm. wanted wanted them very much to be part of the process. So it not being yes. something you just read to them. Mm. But it spark conversations or get them thinking yeah. Um, yeah. about things. Yeah, I think it would actually be, as well as for families, I think this book would be a fantastic tools in schools. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would love to see it more in schools. I mean, we've had some buy, buying them, which has been lovely. Schools and preschools have been ordering them. But yeah, I would love to see it, yeah, more widely used in Definitely. schools. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing about allergies. It's it, unlike other chronic conditions, you are just as uh, probably a little bit more vulnerable because you're that much more reliant on the people around you to either prevent a reaction from happening or those around you could be the ones helping saving you in that moment. So mm. it, it just by association and proximity, people have a, a responsibility um, as opposed to, you know, somebody that would have to care for their own medication. It's, it's that different level and that different layer. What's your advice then for um, parents with younger children um, who are in primary school as to how because that's the first time really, other than those that have been in preschool settings, but actually I think primary school is that marker where you're really taking some of your 100% control and responsibility and handing that over. You know, it's scary. It's a huge step. I think with allergies, any change is difficult. You, you know, mm. you get into a bubble of I've got this, I know how to deal with this, and then something else happens. And as you say, going to primary school is, is a huge one. It's letting go of some of that control. Everyone's not so closely um, watched as they are at preschool. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors going into it. So, I think my first piece of advice would be is, you know, it starts at home, talk to your child. We all want to wrap them in cotton wool. We want to avoid having those difficult conversations, but actually at the heart of it for your child's long-term kind of health and happiness, yeah. you have to help them advocate for themselves and yeah. really understand what's yeah. going on. Simple rules to follow, you know, keep, keep it simple in terms of, you know, no food sharing, um, you know, always tell a teacher, you know, if you're not comfortable with something or, or you, you feel ill, you know, simple, simple, simple things that they can follow and they can stick to. So I think it starts at home with your child. But as you say, it, it goes wider than that, because we're not just relying on your child. We have to then rely on the teachers and the head teachers and the dinner ladies and, and the mm. other kids as well. Yeah. So I would set it up early before mm. your child starts school. You know, mm. ask those questions when you're looking around schools and right. it doesn't necessarily matter 
school has had somebody with allergies before um it's more their reaction and their their approach to things you know yeah. if, if you talk to them and they seem very standoffish or unwilling to learn yeah. then you know that's maybe not the place for you but if you speak to somebody that seems accommodating and you know you can work with them I think it's that those that level of communication that's so important um yeah. you know just sit down with them beforehand to have that chat um I've got a couple of free templates on the Yumi and Food Allergies website, okay. um, one for a risk assessment and one for up a um, food allergy management plan. You can sit down with the teachers and go through and really make sure you've got everything clearly yeah. in place. Okay. I think the next step is the education, both mm. of the teachers, the head teachers, but also the children as well. Um, mm. you, you don't want it to be a secret something that your kid isn't happy talking about or the children are, the other children are a bit confused about so whether you're using my book or you're having an assembly or yeah. whatever it may be opening up that conversation because actually I found my kids friends are their best supporters you know yeah. they will look out for them kids naturally look out for each other and want to help but if, if you don't let them understand and you don't let them in they can't do that. And then they might be fed, you know, not very helpful messages from home or from other places. So you want to give them give them that chance. Yeah. Joey, you were nodding your head there. Does that all sound very familiar with your upbringing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole time growing up, even through college and even through, uh, you know, my career now, like my, my best advocate, like every, I'm always surrounded by people that are finding ways to look out for me. You know, they're, they're, checking on the allergens if they think that they might have seen someone like kind of like cross up something they'll they'll mention it but yeah finding those you know those classmates to, to take care of you that just really uh you know it speaks to my experience as well yeah and as far as as far as educating so some of the other families for example at, at the uh, at the school i know one thing my parents would do because they yeah. at the point when, we, when i was growing up you know there wasn't resources like your your books out they were kind of Call, uh, calling an audible as they went but one of the strategies that they used um pretty effectively was they, they would write letters and the, the uh mm. the teacher would send that home on like kind of the first day of school you get all of your onboarding materials and they would send that to the family just kind of you know and I was just saying like hey you know just so you know we have a you know joey he's got food allergies here's what that means and here's what we're going to be doing in like party settings like here's wh what we're going to be doing to keep him safe just to give you an idea of what we're going to be, you know, what that process looks like. Yeah. Um, have you, like, yeah. yeah, just wondering, like, do you have any other suggestions, like, either besides or in addition to or in place of that that you think are really good ways to kind of, like, open up that communication between your family and the food the families of non-food allergic children? No, I think that's a great idea, and it's something we did when the kids started school. So we did it when they when they both started school. We sent a letter out to the parents, mm -hmm. just kind of introducing and saying, yeah, exactly that. Um, another thing I've done is join re reluctantly to start with the Parent Teacher Association. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was I was trying to avoid it um, for a number <laughs> of reasons, but partly also because I didn't want to. You know, you don't always want to be that parent that's always talking about food allergies. Yeah. But actually, <laughs> got to the point where I had to be that parent anyway, whether I was on the association or not, because you realise, right. you know, every event involves food in some way um and yeah. so i decided it was much easier to be on the inside and at least yeah. you know right. 
helping with everything else and then be able to you know lead those conversations or point them in the right direction make everything inclusive for everyone yeah. um from the inside out and actually that's been a really positive experience although I was reluctant to get involved it has been a, been a really positive one um yeah just, just to show them how easy it can be to make things inclusive it's not about anything you're missing out it's just often small changes that can make mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a very that's a very interesting strategy and point because um, allergy people aren't difficult to please. Um, and it is about communication, and it, it is yes, it's more help than hinder. If you're actually um, driving that from from like you said from inside the inner circle. And it's easier rather than being seen as that critic standing on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and our lives revolve around food. Let's face yeah. it. So. We do, and I don't think you ever notice until food becomes an issue. You know, I don't think I ever thought about it. Yeah. You know, until suddenly food is, you know, a bit scary and a bit worrying. You realise that it, it's just central to, you know, celebrations, yeah. yep. isn't it? parties, or everything. Every social yeah. event. Yeah. Kind of Absolutely. And actually, that brings me onto another point, actually, um, because with all that, you carry a lot psychologically, um, as well as managing the logistics <laughs> around allergies and that. There, there is the emotional impact. And I know that that's something that's very close to your heart. Um, what, what do you think are the most common emotional challenges faced by food allergy families? I think ultimately it's it's the it's the overall anxiety that people um carry with them i think people tend to go through a bit of a process um you know that that you can kind of see the patterns of people going through to start with um there's often a lot of guilt associated with it especially if you've had a baby that's had food allergies and you haven't spotted it or you haven't been given the wrong advice and you know they've been in pain for a certain amount of time I know I went through that and even yeah. though you know you did everything you could you, you're still thinking goodness how did I let my child go through that yeah. or if you've accidentally given your child something and they've had a reaction you know there's massive guilt and fear associated yeah. with that yeah. um I think there's also a certain level of grief that comes with it in terms yeah. of letting go of what you thought life would look like either for yeah. you if it's allergy or your child um you know suddenly all those things we were going to do with them again as we say that revolve around food look very different to what we expected to yeah. them to and you might not be having the same experience as all your friends are having with their babies or their children so you can end up feeling a little bit lonely and disconnected from other people because it feels like they don't quite understand or you know they've got it easy or you know however mm -hmm. you it. so i think there's often that Kind of that process that you go through to start with mm. um obviously you know you, you come to a certain level of i guess acceptance with that but the the, the, the fear and the anxiety is difficult yeah. to let go of because it's it's always there and it's always the reality i think i think whether your child has had an anaphylactic reaction or not i'm not sure that necessarily either path is easier yeah. anxiety wise because i think sometimes yeah. I think for me, the fact that James had an anaphylactic reaction quite early on and we had to use the adrenaline injector yeah. actually took away mm. some of that fear yes. and showed, yeah. okay, yeah. It. that was pretty easy. It yeah. worked. It was fine. Yeah. Um, whereas I think I hear a lot from people that have never used it. That there's this whole 
you know fear about actually ever using it and what will happen um but then obviously if you you have watched your child have an anaphylactic reaction you know you've also got that kind of trauma and and fear to deal with as well so I think psychologically there's there's a lot going on a lot going on for people dealing with allergies no I I can I can certainly identify with a lot of what you were saying there and you know that's speaking as a mum that that also has been it it was the overwhelm the anxiety the fatigue and and everything else until we had our first anaphylaxis because I think like you said it's that fear of the unknown and you don't know what's going to be the trigger Uh, but uh, for for our own experience when we had our first anaphylaxis with with Aoife I think I sobbed for about a week Caught solidly because I think it is all this pent up emotion and, and mental strain that you're carrying mm. with you that you just you, you probably need that I'm not saying you need that trauma but that trauma just releases yeah yeah so mm. I think that you know that really is healthy and it's good because I think you know and I know I definitely went through this is your tendency to then want to over control everything. If I can just get everything perfect, if I can just, you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's and stop them ever coming into contact with anything, then everybody will be safe and it will all be fine. And that then leads on to avoidance behaviors as well of not wanting to go here or do that. And people's circles can just close further inwards and you can get stuck both completely overthinking things, which is yeah. something that I've been dreadful for in the past. Right. Um, and also then, you know, finding yourself more lonely and isolated because mm. you're stopping doing all those, yeah. all those things. Yeah. So how have you stopped yourself falling down that rabbit hole then, Emma? Oh, it's a really good and big question. And um, it's been a process, you know, I can't, can't put it any other way. It's definitely been a process. I think, Step one is really recognizing it and even knowing you're doing it in the first place. Um, because I think, you know, and ultimately it's not a gender thing, but we know that ultimately it's usually the mums that are at the forefront of it. And if you look on any Facebook forum or any internet corner, um, it, it's, it's mainly the mums that are dealing with it. And I think women specifically have a tendency to, um, you know, want the perfectionism side of things, wanting to make sure, you know, I know everything and I do everything right and it's all perfect and I can control it and then everything will be fine. And actually being able to interrupt that and go, you know what? No, that's 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 not right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not normal. And I think we can, because we see everyone else doing it as well, you know, you get into these forums or in this theology community and everybody else is overthinking and over controlling. And so it became, it seems normal. And that's what we have to do. And then there's this thing of, oh, but if we don't do that, something terrible is going to happen. And then you read the tragic news stories and you search for that one thing that they did wrong to know that that's not you because you wouldn't do that. And that would never happen. And the ultimate truth is that's just not the case. Yeah not the case that we have to plan and we have to prepare but we also have to try and let go of some of that and realize we can't control every single aspect of everything as much as we want to um so that's step one (laughs) (laughs) and that yeah yeah and i think with that emma actually it's it's what sprung to mind is 
that not being able to control everything it's it's got to be so carefully managed and balanced because you also don't want to impact the type of growing up that your own children are going to turn into because of your behavior or how it's translating and transmitting onto them. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, no parent means to do it, but you can absolutely then transfer that to your child because they they watch you and they see you and and, and they learn from you. Yeah. Um, mm. And yeah, it, 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 nobody I'm sure ever gets the perfect balance. Um, but you want to try and model it at least as much as you can. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't be open about your emotions. You know, I would talk to the kids and say, you know, this is scary and or this made me cry or this is difficult. Um, it's absolutely not about shielding your emotions. It's but it's about finding a way to live with them yeah. and to work through it rather than, yeah. than, than being this massive barrier to everything. Yeah. Definitely. I have a question for you, Joey, actually, just on mm. because obviously Emma and I coming from a place of raising children yeah. with food allergies and, and you're, you've grown up uh, living with food allergies. And, and the, the interesting thing with, with Joey here is the fact that you've lived abroad in countries where you don't even speak the language, let alone are able to decipher what the writing of all is. And it was in one of those situations that you probably experienced one of your worst anaphylaxis episodes. How, yeah. how did you overcome that emotionally then and, and not let that hold you back and deal with things? Uh, so, I mean, it was definitely, you know, you say, like, I, I, for probably the next week, I didn't eat anywhere other than uh, the 7-Eleven, mm. which um, in, in Taiwan, they're very, very common. You can see as many as like three on the block. So like, you, you know they're they're everywhere. They're very consistent, um, you know, uh, quality, everything like that across the board. So like I just kind of really retreated back to exactly what I know, where it was really comfortable. And I knew I would get the same thing, you know, the same item even every time and any store you go to would be the same. So I really looked for kind of like that, that familiarity. Mm. Um, and then I, I yeah, something that was in, in my own case kind of empowering was I, I, I knew I was doing something to kind of move forward on that. Yeah. You know, I, I started trying to, at, at the time, that was when I started really building the app to help translate. And that was kind of the very start of my, my software development journey. So for me, it just felt like I was doing something to move forward. I, at that point, I didn't even know if it was going to work, if I was going to be able to figure it, but just, I had that idea that I was doing something to make forward progress. It, it kind of helped me feel like I had a little bit more, more control of the situation. I think that's really important. I think on two fronts, one, that thing that sometimes we do just have to retreat and that's okay yeah. to give yourself time to process it and to go back to your safe little bubble. You know, that that's fine. We need to do that. We need to step away. But as you say, it's then about how do we take those steps yeah. forward? You know, and I think probably all three of us, for us being able to help other people or talk about it, it it's part of that process and it's, it's part of that, that therapy to be able to, you know, feel like you're doing something good with those experiences, I think. 2020. <laughs> what a year that was. <laughs> um, yeah. So interestingly enough, I mean, 
allergies and COVID have been a very interesting conversation right through the year. So many things happened uh, with the the shortages in supermarkets. So food shortages was a big consideration. Then there was the anxiety of kids being at school, kids not being at school, but then getting into a comfort bubble because all of a sudden those external (laughs) risk factors were gone. Mm. Then the anxiety going back into school again. And, um, but in a way, uh, I think what was interesting is the whole hygiene standards (laughs) went up a notch. in allergy uh, children's favors. Um, but th- one of the big things that was very recognizable, obviously, we're not going to talk about the vaccine at the moment because there's still so much uncertainty and unknowns around that. But um, just generally, healthcare and allergy journeys, because you guys had, how did you continue your own personal allergy journeys with your children this in 2020? So, Early on in the year, we were due to go to the allergy clinic. I think it was around March or April time. It was right at the beginning of lockdown. So obviously that was all that was all cancelled. Um, and then, as you say, in, in some ways, it was really nice because you didn't have to worry about yeah. eating out or you didn't have to worry about anyone else, you know, serving your children or any of those <laughs> external factors. So actually, allergy-wise, although anxiety was high with everything else, mm-hmm. allergy anxiety was way lower because we didn't have yeah. to think any of that um I think for um a lot of people as you say that transition back was tricky um Mm. especially things like um uh you know food being given in the classroom some people some schools weren't doing it in the school hall they were doing it back in the classroom um we were actually really lucky um you know everything we spoke to the school everything carried on fine and as you say the hygiene standards uh, went up and I think it also just gave other people a little bit of understanding when you talk about cross-contamination before or, you know, how a tiny bit can spread and, you know, cause an issue. I think actually COVID gives people a little bit of understanding about what that means and what that yeah. looks like and that constant vigilance, which we all know when you've got allergies, you, you know, you've got to be on top of it and thinking about it all the time. Yeah. And then we were lucky that actually our allergy clinic, um, we had an appointment again in September um, for allergy tests. Um, and then Amalia also had a food challenge for Sesame um, mm. last month, mm. I think it was, where she passed. Um, yeah, so that was a really positive, that was a really positive yeah. step. So are, are your children then, uh, do you find that they've outgrown some of their allergies? So they both outgrew milk, which okay. was amazing. And mm. especially considering James was very allergic to it. James had an anaphylactic reaction to milk when he was a toddler. Yeah. Um, I really think at the time we had a very proactive consultant who encouraged us, even though his skin prick test was still very high, it was still mm-hmm. 10 on his skin prick test. Mm-hmm. He had anaphylaxis only the year before. She encouraged us to try all baked milk, see if we could get that in his diet, which we did. Mm-hmm. And I really that contributed to him yeah. outgrowing it. Um, Amalia just out, naturally outgrew it. Uh, naturally outgrew it with age. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's now struck sesame off the list as well. So she's nice. now only down to egg which is amazing neither of them can tolerate baked egg unfortunately but um mm. yeah she's down to egg james still has a much longer list um mm. because of nuts and the sesame and and a few others as well yeah. um but yeah it feels like small steps forward and yeah. the sesame yeah. for my year yeah, is amazing and i'm not entirely sure if that was outgrown or it's just that 
she wasn't that allergic to it in the first place because there was only one reaction that we thought was sesame it could have been something else so I wouldn't want to say she outgrew sesame and give people yeah. too much you know yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, I'm not 100% sure but I know she can have it now which is which is yeah. great and do you find that um because of their varying dietary requirements uh you've adapted all family meals so you can all eat the same things or do you eat different things or is it a mix of the two or how does it work in your home why we well i wouldn't say we all eat exactly the same thing because james in particular is a fussy little uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in terms of in terms of allergens yeah we all eat the same thing and um, mm. it was slightly different when james had outgrown his milk allergy and amalia hadn't um mm. we would all have dairy things um mm. around her and just use dairy free alternatives for her yeah. um but now that one's gone we yeah we don't use any nuts or sesame we don't use it we don't really use any eggs in the house either yeah. um yeah so we pretty much all eat all eat the same thing one of the the things that i struck with me with you this emma's a, a tweet of yours mm. <laughs> all around uh, and, and I think it was a very interesting talking point. It was all around allergy-related product recalls. Um, and it, it inspired me off the back of that conversation to actually look a bit deeper into it because I was sick of getting email after email after email from the FSA saying, another product mm. recall alert. Um, and the, the allergy ones, I don't know, and we'd, we'd have to research what it's like in previous is to see if there is a difference or if it's getting worse. But certainly, 2020 alone, there were over 72 um, allergy-related recalls, um, and over 80% of them were down to mislabeling, where either ingredients weren't even listed or they'd been mislabeled. Um, what, what are your whole thoughts around that? It's just dreadful, isn't it? And as you say, that tweet I sent out, it, I, it just made me so angry because you say it just felt like there was this constant stream mm. um, of not even people missing off may contains, because we know mm. that's not a legal requirement, but people actually missing off ingredients of products, mm. you know, and mm. dealing with food allergies, that, that's, that's just not acceptable. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I wanted to find out, you know, what, what actually are the fines for this? What, do they get into trouble? And the yeah. basic answer appeared to be, no, not really, because, you know, it costs them a lot to have to recall it. Okay, great. But eventually somebody is going to have a severe reaction or, you know, yeah. die yeah, because exactly. something that they thought was safe and was mislabeled. And why mm. can't we try and fix that problem before it gets to that stage? Why does it have to mm. always take something awful to happen yeah. um, before yeah. something like this is fixed. And as you say, I think there probably has been an increase this year because, you know, there's been disruption to, to, to um, supply chains. Mm -hmm. And I know companies have had to change, you know, factories. Mm -hmm. um, so I yeah. understand that, but ultimately we're talking about people's health yeah. and safety. So that shouldn't be a good enough excuse to yeah. let those things in. No. It shouldn't, and I agree, you shouldn't have to pay the ultimate price, the ultimate cost before something changes, something happens. So if you were sitting in front of the government today, <laughs> what would your <laughs> wish list be as to, right, we need to fix this. Um, what's the one thing, what's the one thing we need to take away so that 
industry and commerce can work together and actually put the consumer first when it comes to protecting them? You know what? I don't, I don't know the answer. Um, because, you know, I would like to think that the answer is let's make them realize, you know, what ultimate effect this could have. Yeah. <coughs> In a more, what's the word? less optimistic view mm. does it all come down to money and manufacturing mm. and that side of things mm. um so i i wish i had the answer but i think something has to be put forward harder and stronger um yeah. you know if ultimately it's just the ramifications upon their business and their bottom line if they let something like this slip through and they get fined a large amount of money mm. you know although that may not come from the best place if yeah. it has if it has the effect of working yeah you know, yeah okay with that yeah. um yeah i don't know the answer but something that they're not just allowed to get away with it and say yeah. oh sorry yeah. slap on the wrist so what was really interesting from when we were talking with the Free From Food Awards is through their contact with all the F&B brands is mm. that there isn't an official uh, tradings body or organizational or standards to adhere to. Um, and a lot of the, the queries um, and support that they get from, at least from the Free From manufacturers um, is, what what is the consistency what should they be adhering to and one of the yeah. things that they were talking about is even just looking at labeling and having labeling consistent whether it's allergies in bold or allergies in yellow or in italics is just actually let's just make that consistent yes yeah. and and, and I think the, the consensus was bold anyway, because I think that's what the eye is naturally used to. Yeah. But, but the other thing that springs to mind and, and what you were talking about, Emma, goes far beyond that. And it goes back to the quality control before it even leaves the premises. And that seems to be something that has slipped and it's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you there because that's always our fear. We're so, as allergy families, we're so tuned into relying on the information in front of us. And that's what we base our judgment on. So we will actually always take whatever that writing is as gospel. And that's our Bible that we stick to. Yeah. And, if and that's yeah. that scary thing, isn't it? You get so used to reading labels and checking contents of food, but if you can't, if you can't trust that, yeah. what do you do yeah. next? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And you think, you know, just from like the food allergy kid perspective, like from the time I could read everything, I checked the label. I checked it, your turn. You check, like that, that, was how, that was how we ate everything. We never yeah. let anything into the house without, you know, even though my parents checked it, they, they knew it was, they would, they would hand it to me. So you have to check it. Yeah. What, what, what if that doesn't work? I mean, that's, yeah. that, that is the basis of every, bit of preparation my parents ever you know yeah. gave me like that's yeah. when that fails you have nothing left I mean that's that's huge yeah. and you're you're a judge in the free from food awards so mm. just uh, changing uh, ideas there a bit there's been a massive explosion in the free from industry hasn't there and probably even in the time you've been involved yeah absolutely so I think I've done it I don't know if it's four or five years now but yeah just in the time I've been doing it 
there's been a massive explosion you know certain areas particularly dairy free particularly cheese you know has has just gone crazy in a really good way um also things like top 14 free products have exploded massively Mm. um Mm. you know treats and 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 gifts and you know Mm. like that so yeah you know it's been brilliant brilliant yeah yeah Definitely, definitely. It's certainly been a celebration of inclusivity um, mm. that, that we've seen. And, and, and I think people are excited. It's a brand new space. Um, the opportunities are unlimited because I think what it's forcing manufacturers and entrepreneurs to do is be more creative. Be like the allergy parent at home and not focus yeah. on what you can't have. So what can you have and how can you make it work? We're we're amazing tweakers, aren't we? We're amazing tweakers. You know, there's some really brilliant kind of um, small businesses and and ones, you know, like um, Creative Nature who have grown out of that need and that real understanding of it. Um, We're seeing more mainstream um, companies and supermarkets take it on as well. Now, okay, that might be more market-led in terms Mm. of, you know, vegan and vegan than necessarily the allergy world but we mm. do all benefit from it yeah. um yeah. i think there's still issues um you know of things maybe not being safe for everyone or my my mum bless her has now bought the kids twice um some chocolate that says the free from company on it um mm. but then I, if you read down the labels it's may contain nuts so you know free what does oh. free from mean it depends what you're looking for and you know it means free from dairy for them mm. but you know so i think again the language and the labeling and helping people really understand because again it's not just the people with the allergies and their parents it's grandparents wanting to buy things That's or it. friends yeah yeah. yeah really easy to to miss something or to yeah. not get it right so i think that consistency even within yeah. the free from food is, yeah. is awesome. mm. yeah. yeah it's a great point yeah and and with that you know the the allergy individual would be will always be the common denominator but you were looking at a networking effect there that you know yeah. it's it's leading that consumer behavior outside of that individual um yeah it's it's a fascinating space to watch and we're really excited about the, the different brands that are emerging and, mm-hmm. and and making them accessible um to to different families as well and, and individuals right so 2021 what does that have in <laughs> store for you <laughs> oh well who knows it's probably the answer looking at yeah. 2021 <laughs> who knows yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so, no, I mean, the, the main focus for me moving forward is um, supporting people with their mental health and the anxiety side of things. So this is something that's really grown for me out of my own experiences and, you know, writing the books and dealing with so many people in the allergy community that it's it's a bit of a massive black hole that I think just needs filling. Um you know, we all know the provision isn't that great. There's only two psychologists in the whole of the algae, you know, services in the UK and getting an appointment with one of them is like gold That's dust. Crazy. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. it, it really is. And I think something that came up for me and I've been kind of exploring more is that the, 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 the natural referral process, if you, even if you can get a referral through your GP, 
to to a, a psychological service is it's generally for something called cognitive behavior therapy which okay. can be really useful it's a talking therapy but the ultimate kind of um basis of it is realizing that your thoughts your anxious thoughts are irrational it, it is you know on a very basic mm -hmm. level um and I know a lot of people, including me, who are dealing with things like allergies, just haven't worked that well with it because our, our fears aren't irrational, mm -hmm. you know. And, and yes, we may catastrophize things and mm -hmm. we might, you know, overthink things and take things out of context. But ultimately, underlying that is a real and tangible yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, so I want to look further into kind of creating a platform or creating a program to help people with that. Yeah. So that's yeah. my main my main focus for this year. Another another biggie to take on, but it's, oh, <laughs> it's oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy that there is such a void in that level of support. And you know, we've spoken about it earlier in the conversation. It is such an important part of arming yourself, arming your family to protect them and prepare them for a life with allergies and. That, that fear, like you said, it's not irrational because mm -hmm. you're you're constantly wrestling with that fear of, but that could kill my child. Yep. <laughs> you, you, it's, it is that life or death that you're, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're inside there, yes. Um, at the end of 2019, which seems like a very long time ago now, um, <laughs> I developed a program kind of based on my experiences and various yeah. different um kind of a psychological and holistic therapist called the smile program which i run with a small group of um of allergy parents over six yeah. weeks which was brilliant it was really great um we had some amazing results um people that were too scared to eat out or, you know taking their kids out to eat out by the end of the program and wow. um yeah really just amazing to see and so i knew yeah. there was really something in it and so my plan initially was to kind of launch it further in 2020 but then i decided i wanted to um get kind of more more knowledge behind me um mm. which is why i've gone back and i'm doing a master's now in the um psychology and neuroscience of mental health so that's taken up quite a lot of my 2020 <laughs> my 2021 as well yeah. um, but no i just wanted to have that extra grounding make sure everything's yeah. based on you know the right evidence and the right the right information um yeah so i'm trying to move move that forward and figure out how to put all that together Amazing. Wow. And just to uh, summarize Smile again, just so mm. something for our listeners to take away, because I think yeah. we, we, we're not doing enough of that at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the Smile program, so it's got a few elements that where it started from mm. was literally the grounding technique of smiling. So mm. what I would find is you know, when my thoughts would start spiraling, I would start overthinking and I'd go down those what if pathways and mm -hmm. you know, everything would just build and all those thoughts would just pile up. Mm. I needed some way to pull myself back out of my head again. Mm. Um, and often in that, at that point, people would tell you, you know, breathe. If you just breathe, it will relax you, it will bring you back to the present. Mm. I couldn't focus on breathing. That just seemed like too much to me think yeah. about oh gosh now I've got to count my breaths and now I've got to think yeah. I can't too yeah. off my head to yeah. even get that far yeah. um so I got to the point where I realized actually if I smiled it's something I could do really easily mm. it's 
something that is just very natural you don't have to think you just tell yourself smile and you know how to smile mm. and actually the, the the kind of neuroscience and the, the physiological um things behind it are really interesting because actually there's lots of studies that show by moving our facial muscles into a smile and using your eyes as well because it has to be like yeah. a proper smile rather than just a yeah. really fake one yeah not even you don't have to think happy thoughts it's nothing about forcing yourself to be positive it's about how your body reacts and actually your body reacts by lowering your heart rate yeah. by um slowing your breathing rate yeah um by sending neurotransmitters off into the brain to release serotonin and dopamine and all those happy mm. hormones. Mm. Um, and actually what that does is it calms your body and it brings you out of that fight or flight mode mm. that you're mm. ready you know, for something to attack. Mm. Um, it calms your body and it brings you back enough that you can then put those next techniques yeah. into place, whatever you do next to help you. Yeah. Um, so that's where really it started. Yeah, with something... Mm. I know where I found it or why I decided to do yeah. but the more I looked into it the more I realized that there was actually a lot of science behind yeah. it and actually yeah. really really works yeah. um yeah so that was really that was really interesting and something exploring well yeah that's 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 it makes sense it's just that's really I know wow yeah yeah wow. I don't know why more people aren't talking about it because once you yeah. look into you know, there's plenty of scientific studies over the years that have covered it. Um, mm. And I think it's, and I think this is what is part of the reason I went back to do the masters is I think like lots of different things, everyone gets stuck in a certain way. This is how we do things. And this is yeah. the advice we give. And this is what everyone says. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually I felt like that needed to be disrupted a bit um, in terms of what's available and also what works in, in certain circumstances right. um so yeah that's the core of the smile program and then because i'm a journalist and i like a good play on words it then <laughs> digs a bit deeper and it goes um looks at self-compassion and self-care being the first one um mindfulness yeah. and yeah. mindfulness i don't like mean necessarily meditation by that i just mean learning to live more in the present which i think right. is so important when you're dealing with all that anxiety and those yeah. what ifs, actually bringing yourself back to the now yeah um I is for investigating your thoughts. And so that is a bit of kind of CBT looking at, you know, actually, do I need to believe those thoughts? Is there evidence mm. against it? You know, mm. we're really looking a bit deeper about what we're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Al is about for letting go of those limiting beliefs. And a bit like Joey was saying, like yeah. finding that way forward. What what yeah. small steps can you take? What, what do you want yeah. life to look like? How can you get there? Yeah. Really kind of giving yourself... Yeah those tools to do that yeah and then the e of smile is again something a lot of people probably haven't heard of which is called emotional freedom technique mm. and it's actually mm. tapping you might have heard of it as tapping um which is something that when i first heard about it i i was dealing with anxiety i was also dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder after a traumatic birth with my daughter um and one of my friend, friends is a therapist and suggested i have tried it and i was like a bit woo-woo isn't it it's a bit you know not too sure about that yeah. um but actually it was amazingly helpful for this from um, the start and the, the basic premise of it is both you're tapping a bit like acupuncture kind of using those mm -hmm. lines to kind of move energy but also at the same time you're kind of vocalizing your fears and your feelings mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's something you can do with a therapist but it's something i do quite a lot if i'm going into a stressful situation yeah. something i'm worried about um 
or I'm waking up at night feeling anxious. It's something you can use for yourself to really kind of work through whatever you're thinking and, and going through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of outline of, of yeah. the SMILE program and, and, and what it yeah. looks like. That's wow. And I think it's, a, it's yeah. a great strategy just for dealing with our present circumstances. Right. Yeah, mentally coping with the pandemic around us. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think it's one of those, the, the thing for me is, you can't get rid, you shouldn't want to get rid of anxiety because it's a natural emotion, it's helpful, it wants to keep us safe. Mm. But we all know that that can get out of control and it can pile up. Mm. And then we can start feeling like we need to distract ourselves and we need to avoid it so we don't think those thoughts. Yeah. That's not the case. We've just got to learn how do we, how do we live with it? Yeah. And how do we mm. manage, how do we run alongside it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But still manage to lead a full and fun and you know inclusive yeah. life in a way. Exactly. That's a lot to take away. And yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> but it's it's empowering and it puts yeah. you back in the driver's seat. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. 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 But you you know, you, you don't want to be a passive, passive passenger to you know no. carry on the analogy. Mm. No, you exactly. want to be able to move forward. Yeah. make your life look how you want to while still having to you know carry this along with you yeah, yeah. Um, exactly how do you do that and, and and how do you as well teach your kids how to do that and you know seeing people like joey and um seeing people like other friends like um you know kyle dine or ali and courtney who i've worked with before i think that's been really beneficial for mm -hmm. me to mm -hmm. see grown yeah. adults you know living through life traveling living abroad yeah. doing all those things you're doing yeah, I think I think that's really useful for allergy parents to say you know this isn't something that's going to hold your child back yeah. um, you, know, you can move forward you can do all these things it's just how do we do that exactly exactly I, I think that's a great point uh, you know and yeah, I mean, Joey knows I'm his biggest fan. So <laughs> I'm a tyrant. <laughs> but, but you're right. It's great having these grown up role models and examples for our children to see that actually, it's, it's to some points, it could be in spite of or because of the circumstances. Mm -hmm that these, these people grew up with, how it's just added in abundance to their lives and, and had this ripple effect and this wave that it's impacted positive change. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, I think there's something, something about children, and I'm not coming from any place of expertise here. This is just my own personal opinion, but I think there's something in children that grow up with food allergies that switches something on inside them that turns them into different grown-ups and people. They're resilient, mature, learn to be assertive, confident, create it unlocks the other parts of the brain, I, I personally think you could disagree with me. No, I completely agree. I think empathetic as well, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think it makes yes. them understand yes. you know, yeah. what people are going through. Yeah, absolutely. And I think whether they channel that to do something within the field and with, within the industry or whether that just helps them be better people and lead fuller lives, you know, both things, both things are great. And absolutely, I think sometimes it's, it's turning things on its head and not always looking at it like a, a curse or something that's going to hold you back. Definitely. Actually, yes. say, you know, how this is shaping, shaping yeah. our young people. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There you go, Joey. You're a post-toy <laughs> for us. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. I, yeah, no, I, I agree with what you mean. I mean, it's so nice, like, you know, just all, all the, the people we see, you know, you connect with them online or back when we, you know, we do some conferences, you just see so many, like, food allergy kids kind of coming of age and you just see all the cool things that they're that they're doing and whatever whatever their area of interest is whether it's business uh nutrition creating like all of these different you know you see it, it's as wide ranging as, as anything i think could be interested in but they they find a way to turn that into a you know positive for other people with allergies i think that's just what you what you guys were saying it's, it's really really nice i think that there is naturally a new generations of problem solvers and creators mm is and i'm just really excited because we're living in this age of technology and innovation and compared to when we were at school and growing up and there were only certain careers that you were exposed to it's i mm. think we're in for a very exciting new generational shift anyway so and and we we are growing up and our children are growing up more conscious about the environment and be more ethical and sustainable and you throw all of this into the mix i i think it's yeah really exciting times yeah. ahead. a last message for our, our <laughs> listeners for 2021 what's one positive thing that they can take away i mean there's so much that we covered anyway but yeah. one one last fleeting message um for them to go into 2021 strong I would say, um, I think something we've learned during 2020 and something that we learned dealing with feed allergies is that you can't control everything that happens, but you can control how you react to it mm. and what you do with that moving forward. Yeah, that's, that's I like that. amazing. Yeah, definitely. Great. And where can we find you online? So the best place to find me um, is on Instagram, um, mm -hmm. either my personal account um, where I talk a lot about mental health, which is emma.amascotto, um, or my allergy specific account, which is you, me and feed allergies. Mm -hmm. um, you can find both my books on Amazon mm -hmm. um, or on the website, you, me and feed allergies.com and obviously on the app as well yeah, yeah. yes yeah. absolutely <laughs> and you had a great deal over black friday uh so we'll have to our listeners will have to keep an eye out for some future deals coming as well so yeah hopefully yeah. i'll do another one in the new year because it was really great to see that one yeah fantastic fantastic well, yeah um thank you so much you've been an amazing guest and we could probably sit here for hours chatting <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Good. Oh, thank you so much, Emma. Lovely having you on. And it's a pleasure. Take care, guys. Lovely to chat to you. Yeah, you as well. See ya. Bye. Bye.